Are you a current or future physician assistant wanting to learn more about finances? Then join me on this journey to become a PA the FI way. Hi, my name is Kat, and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Welcome back, everyone, to the PA the FI Way podcast. I'm your host, Kat, and thanks so much for joining me for today's show. On today's episode, I have an incredibly special guest. I was finally able to get my husband, Brian, to join me for the show today. So welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks for having me. Hello out there, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's so funny. So I appreciate you taking the time to be on the episode, but you did say that you are pretty tired tonight when we're recording this episode. So why have you been so tired the past few days, Brian? Uh, Well, we got a new golden retriever puppy, so I've had about four nights of no sleep, and I'm just uh, just a little tired from from that and kind of get a glimpse of what it's like having kids. And what do you think that glimpse looks like? <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like getting up every hour on the hour. Yeah, we don't have kids yet, so we don't know how difficult it is, but it looks pretty challenging to have kids. So having a puppy probably gives us a little taste into that. And tell us about the puppy that we got. Uh, so we got a female. Um, she's seven weeks old. And she's she's tiny, but she's super smart. And then she's I can tell she's going to be a good dog. So I'm excited to have one um, finally. And uh, yeah, we had a our old golden retriever was 13 and a half, and she died about a year ago. So we've been looking for a puppy for quite a while, and just came across the right one. So happy that we got her. Yeah, you had Ellie back when we met, so Ellie was certainly always your dog, and I just fit into Ellie's life back in the day. But it's fun to be able to start with a puppy together, and what did we decide to name her? Uh, We named her Winnie. We both kind of like the name, and it seems to fit her well. So, But yeah, she's doing good. She's growing fast, and we're enjoying her a lot. Yeah, for sure. So I'm... Very thankful that you decided to join us for this episode because I think it'll be really good to talk about not only our past financial mistakes and how our relationship and views on finances have changed over the years, but also talk about some of our financial goals and our wins that we've had over the years too. And hopefully maybe we can give some advice to some newer couples out there and see if we can provide a little bit of wisdom, perhaps. What do you think? Do you think we can do that? We can sure try. So for the listeners, usually you fall into one of two camps when it comes to finances. Maybe you're more like me. And when you first learned about the possibilities that come with reaching financial independence, 
with the option to retire early in the future, it was really exciting. You were able to envision your goals and you're able to practice delaying your gratification, meaning that you find it easy to not buy something because you're able to reach your financial goals sooner. That means that you like to put off spending your money today to save and invest for your future. Or maybe your tendencies are a little bit more like Brian, where when you first learned about financial independence, did you feel really excited about it? Or what did you think when you first learned about the possibilities about financial independence? Um, I mean, it sounded good to me. I liked the idea and I was, I was, took a while to get on board with it, I guess, but um, I'm more of a spender, I guess you could say. I live for the moment and I guess I feel like tomorrow isn't promised, you know, so I tend to be more spontaneous and impulsive where I just, I like spur the moment, see something or whatever. And I'm like, oh yeah, we should just do it. <laughs> Even though I know deep down, it's probably not a good idea, but. Definitely depends upon what it is. Yeah, it depends what it is. And I would say too, when we first met, it seemed like you thought you were going to retire at a normal retirement age, didn't feel like you necessarily minded working until your mid-60s or even 70s, just kind of always pictured yourself working over the years and working hard. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I've always kind of done physical labor jobs, and I can just tell now I'm almost 40, and I can just tell I'm slowing down a little bit. And they always say it's not the age, it's the mileage. And I got a lot of miles on me and my body, so I can tell I'm not going to be able to keep that up for, you know, into my 60s and 70s for sure. So idea of financial independence is a little more real to me now because I can see the, see why it's needed. Yes. So we certainly have very different innate views about money and finances and tendencies when it comes to spending our money as well. Just so the listeners learn a little bit more of our background, let's share just a little bit about how long ago we met and how we met and things like that. So do you want to share that story? Okay, so we first met at the end of 2011, and uh, we met through my brother's wife, but they weren't married at the time, right? Yeah, they yeah. were dating at the time. They were dating at the time. So Kat and my brother's girlfriend, Becky, went to Augsburg together. And Becky, at the time I had a lawn care business and I had some of these business cards and it said, I'm your guy on the back. Like it lit on the front, it had my, my business and my, all the things I do. But then on the back, it had a picture of me and it said in quotations, I'm your guy. And so. <laughs> yes. Great marketing skills you had back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> Becky gave my business card to Kat and said, you should really meet my um, my boyfriend's brother. And so we had a cookie bake one Christmas, um, and the rest is history. Yep, and that was about five months before I was going to leave for Des Moines in Iowa from graduating from undergrad in Minnesota. So we met about five months before I started PA school, and it probably was a good thing that I went to PA school out of state, so you weren't very distracting back then, but you still try to find some times to come down and drive down there and visit me. 
So then our relationship actually survived PA school, even though we had just met. And we decided to get married right after PA school. And how do you feel like our finances were back then? Do you remember when we first got married? Did we talk much about money leading up to marriage? And then right away when we got married? And how do you recall what our financial conversations were like back then? Mm, I don't think we really talked about it a whole lot, but... Once you informed me of how much a PA salary was, I was like, oh, sugar mama, I can, I can do that. Oh, okay. So are you saying that you married me for my money? <laughs> no. <laughs> do you remember any of financial conversations or anything like that? Mm, not really. Um... I pretty much thought that since you were a few years older than I was, a responsible adult, a homeowner yourself, and we're paying bills regularly. I was under the impression that you knew all about finances and had our financial situation under control. Do you think that was the case, Brian? Um, no, that was not the case. <laughs> I mean, I I paid all my bills and everything, but the problem was instead of saving the rest of my money, I spent it all on toys and fast food. <laughs> Oh, yes. Really healthy habits. Mostly right? Culver's and Chipotle. Mm, yeah. <laughs> We're not sponsored by Culver's or Chipotle for today's episode, sadly. So I've told the story about how we first started working with a financial advisor in the past because I had met a PA that was working with one during rotations during PA school. And I thought, yeah, we're getting married soon. We should start meeting with a financial expert. And we did actually start meeting with him before we got married and for several years during our marriage, but not necessarily very consistently. And sadly, he wasn't an ideal financial professional. He was a quote-unquote financial advisor that was selling us whole life insurance, which we certainly did not need at the time. So we were too naive back then to really pick out a true financial professional to help us with our finances. And it was really interesting how he gave us the advice not to work on tackling our debts, like my student loan debt. You had a student loan debt back then as well. Other debts that we had, but instead to try to mix investing with life insurance, which really shouldn't happen. So we tried to learn about finances and start our financial education at the beginning of our marriage, but I don't think it was too successful, unfortunately. What did you think about all that experience? I mean, I guess at the time it made sense, but looking back now, it's like, oh yeah, we, what were we thinking? You know, it doesn't, it's like we were very naive, um, but we've learned a lot since then and made some other choices and um, better decisions and tried to educate people on things that we did to change. And you said that we weren't, saving much back then at the beginning of our marriage, which again was right when I started working as a new grad PA. So at that time, I knew to put some of my money towards my retirement account, my 401k through my employer. And I was investing a small percentage to get the match. But other than that, we were focusing paying our minimum payment on our student loans and otherwise, we were pretty much spending 
our money as we as we saw fit. So do you feel like we were living pretty much paycheck to paycheck back then? Yeah, I'd say so for the most part. I mean, we'd buy things that we wanted kind of without thinking about it too much. And uh, But yeah, if I could go back in time, I'd do things way differently and and set us up for success a lot earlier in life. Yeah, and I think that feeling of if I could go back in time and do things differently and have those regrets is such a common feeling when people start learning about personal finances and start educating themselves to reach financial independence sooner. What types of things do you feel like you would have done differently back then? Um, I would have saved more, um, set up a savings and like a budget with the savings plan. And I, uh, would probably also our student loan payments. I would have kind of doubled down on those and try to pay that student loan off way faster than we did. Instead of making the minimum payments, you know, I would have made the largest payment that I could basically um, and try to knock down that student loan debt as fast as I could. And also uh, there's a time where we leased a, a Jeep Cherokee. Uh, it was like a 39 month lease. And that was, Looking back, that was one of the mistakes we made. Uh, I mean, it, it was really nice and it was fun to drive and really nice to have a brand new car. But at the same time, I look back and it's like, man, that really wasn't worth it. And so like on, when it comes to vehicles, I guess my advice would be just pay cash and try to find a nice, reasonable, a cheaper vehicle that you can just pay cash for. And But it's also reliable, you know, and older I get, the less I care about how nice it is and how, how cool it looks, I guess you could say. But uh, as long as it functions and stuff and it's paid off, then I don't really care as yeah. long as it runs good. Yeah, I think that if you can't quite afford paying fully with cash for a vehicle, if you have a very decent, reasonable amount of a loan with a low interest payment for a car, I think that is reasonable too if you don't have a chunk of cash that you can find a dependable car then that is reasonable. But I would say that our almost $700 monthly payment that we had for that lease was quite a hit to our budget and prevented us from saving and investing more for our future. What did you say? Yeah, I would say. And also with new vehicles, the insurance costs are higher and the tabs um, are higher also for the yearly tabs were like $800 a year, you know, whereas like an older vehicle, you know, older than seven years old or like $40 a year, you know, so. It's true. Those cars, they have lots of fun features, but they do come with lots of extra costs in a lot of different ways for sure. Yep. And it just depends what you value in life. But to me, it's like, I just rather have an older vehicle with no payment and be content with that rather than a large vehicle payment every month that I have to worry about making more money to pay for, adding more pressure. Yeah. So let's talk about how some of the listeners could try to have successful money conversations with their spouses or with their significant others that they have. So I think that it's really important when you first start talking about finances, especially that you start small, meaning that if you are the one that is learning about financial independence and about all these different financial tips that you don't 
overwhelm your significant other with all of this information all at once. Otherwise, they'll just look at you like you're kind of crazy. I feel like you kind of gave me that look back when I first talked with you about how if we do these things, we could have the option of potentially retiring early. I don't know if you remember that conversation back then. Yeah, I do remember. Um, And at the time, it was like, it was all new to me. So I was like, hmm, this uh, boils down to no more toys. But in reality, it's it's not that bad. Um, I can still... It's a fine line between being content and always wanting more and wanting new and wanting the next best thing. But, and it's also like lifestyle creep. So the more money you make, the more you spend, you know, so. So I think a good tip to have when you are trying to approach your significant other about finances is to set the stage, meaning pick a good time for both of you to talk about finances Try not to have the conversation when you're both really tired, coming home from work, each had a stressful day. If you have kids, the kids are crying or you just found out bad news or something like that. But to try to pick a good time in your life to approach the conversation. Um, I guess I would say just try to keep an open mind and also realize uh, this, the whole thing it takes a lot of time and a lot of patience and a lot of work and it doesn't happen overnight, but you just got to keep on keeping on and just have a plan and stick to it the best you can and communicate with your spouse the best you can and life will happen in between stuff happens, but you just got to work around it and uh, just do the best you can with that kind of things. Yeah, I think it's important when you are having those conversations to do your best to communicate effectively and to try not to avoid the conversation and to try to have open communication, honest communication, and frequent communication. And then also when you're talking, do your best to use terms like I or we instead of you statements. And what that means is you don't want to try to place blame. You don't want to try to say, well, you always do this or you never do this because certainly that can escalate those financial conversations into a full-blown argument, which I'm pretty sure we've been guilty of ourselves over the years. Would you say, Brian? Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like everything is figure outable. So you just have to both be on the same page and it's just teamwork and both have the same vision, you know, for the same goals for the long term, you know, and you both want the same things, you know. Yeah, I think that it's really important that the two of you work together on what you view as your financial goals, your financial dreams for the future. And then that helps the two of you team up together to work on those goals and tackle them as a team instead of pitting you against each other, which again can lead to more arguments and things like that. I also think that it's really important that you try to understand what your spouse values in regards to their finances. So for example, is it that they value things or is it that they value experiences? Is it that they want to try to pay off their debt quickly and be debt-free? Or is it that they want to focus more so on investing Ideally, both of those things can be nice for a lot of people. Do they like to budget 
and have a plan for every single dollar that they make? Or would they rather have a less restrictive budget, meaning that they have a general budget number of what they want to aim for in different budget categories, but they wouldn't mind spending a little bit over or a little bit under and are okay with that decision. It can be really hard to have those conversations and to draw that out from people, but it's really important to try to do that. So again, that the two of you can get on the same page. You can try asking questions like, what do you see for how your life looks in three years or five years or 10 years or many years down the road? And that can help the two of you get on the same page financially as well. Yeah. So for me, when my cat and I had that conversation about the future, like three and five and 10 years from now, what do, what do I see myself doing and us doing? And for me personally, I have a hard time envisioning the future. I just, I kind of live day by day, I guess you could say. You're definitely not a planner. You yeah, would say. I'm not a planner at all. I just live in the moment and just YOLO it. So, so our money conversations are real fun, yeah, right? Real fun. <laughs> but we kind of balance each other out. Cat brings me back down to earth. <laughs> Am I no fun? Is that what you're gives saying? Gives me a reality check. <laughs> I also help you open retirement accounts for yourself. It's true. Well, when I was in my mid twenties, I worked at a job and I had a four hundred one k. And I, at the time, I was like mid twenties or early twenties and. I decided I was going to cash out my 401k and buy a lift kit and some rims and tires for my truck. So that's what I did. And, uh, but looking back how, how stupid that was. So recently in the last couple of years, Kat helped me start a new, a new retirement account. So when we try to have these conversations about planning for the future, what type of advice would you have for the spouses or partners in the relationship that are like you for the people who are like me and then are the planners, what are good ways to approach finances and have money conversations with people who don't like to necessarily plan for the future and like to live for the moment? I guess I would say to that, just try to have open, honest conversation about what each of your hopes and dreams are. And um, just it's also compromise too, and try to just work with each other to accomplish each other's hopes and dreams. Do you think that it's nice when at least one person in the relationship learns about all the financial pieces of advice and then shares it with the other person? Or do you feel like that that's more overwhelming or can feel more one-sided? No, I mean, for us, you're, you're a lot more into it than I am, I guess you could say. And so I'm just kind of, I mean, I just go along with whatever, you know, basically but with an informed decision. Yeah. I just want to share a few different steps to have successful financial meetings with your significant other. So the first step is to schedule regular finance meetings. And this is incredibly important when the two of you are first starting out getting control of your finances. So at the beginning, it might be nice to meet really frequently, such as once a week, or every other week, but then once your finances are more automated, you have a plan for where your money is going, then maybe you change your finance meetings to either once a month or once a quarter. During these finance meetings, it's really important that the two of you can talk 
alone and openly. So sometimes people will prefer to have these meetings in the comfort of their living room, in their pajamas, maybe after their kids go to bed. Others prefer to combine it with a date night and have their meeting out at a restaurant or something like that where they're able to have fun, but then also talk a little bit about finances too. Another step for having a successful finance meeting is to create an agenda for your meeting. So that means that the two of you have thought about the different topics that you want to talk about during the meeting. Obviously, this doesn't mean that you need to have a 10-point bullet list, super itemized agenda, but more so generalized topics, and that can help guide the conversation that you have. It's also important that you try to come to the meeting prepared, meaning if you're trying to figure out what your budget is, maybe you come to the meeting with your pay stubs, all of your bills, your different credit card statements to try to help you navigate that meeting a little bit better. The fourth step is during the meeting, we've already touched on this. It's ideal that you have really open communication and honest communication and really try to listen to each other. Try to each have the opportunity to talk and express your concerns or share the things that you're excited about. Don't just be the one to take over the conversation completely and not let your partner have a say in your finances because it's really important that the two of you are on the same page. And then as you're wrapping up the meeting, the two of you can create action items that you want to work on between that meeting and then the next scheduled meeting. I think that it is really important that couples have this conversation because unfortunately, finances are one of the top reasons that couples end up divorcing. So it's so important that they try to take the time to learn how to effectively communicate about money in a kind, empathetic, and supportive way because that will ultimately help strengthen your relationship currently as well as in the future. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. And doing the steps and changing the way you do things now, just even minor things can make a huge difference in your future and just your quality of life and your happiness level. For sure. So as we're wrapping up this episode, Brian, are there any other financial pieces of wisdom that you would have for couples out there who are maybe a few years, five years, or perhaps even 10 years behind us on their financial independence journey or really new in their relationship and maybe are newlyweds and just starting to learn about financial independence overall? I guess I would say uh, start as soon as you can and get a head start on everything. Yeah, I guess I would say uh, just live within your means and just try to be grateful and content for the things you do have and uh, also be careful of lifestyle creep and, you know, making more, but also spending more and not getting yourself into those financial situations where you, you feel like you have a ball and chain on your leg and not being house poor and just being able to maybe have a little less money, but have more freedom in life and freedom to do what you want to do and make decisions and things that would make you happy. And then one final note that I would like to say as well is that it's really important to understand that you're financial goals, both as individuals, but also your shared financial goals and visions for the future can change over time. For example, you might 
choose the place that you want to live in and it might fit your life for a few years, but then maybe 10 years down the road, you decide that you have a different vision and want to live somewhere else or other things pop up like you want to get a puppy or have kids or all those different types of things. So I think it's really important to highlight they have these conversations frequently and consistently with your significant other over the years as well to kind of circle back and make sure that you are on the same page and has your vision changed as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. Just ch- checking in with each other, um, you know, every so often. And the one thing about life is nothing ever stays the same and everything always changes. So you just have to kind of adapt and be able to adapt and tweak your plan if necessary, but ultimately have, have the, the same vision in mind. You might take a different route to get there than you thought you would, but you'd still end up at the achieving the same goals that you were set out to achieve. Awesome. And although we both have very different views within ourselves about finances, I think that the two of us have really done our best to come together to try to get on the same financial page over the years where we're trying to find this constant balance of me wanting to save and invest for our future so we can reach financial independence sooner. And then you wanting to live life in the moment now and enjoy the present. So I feel like that those two opposite things actually can help us try to find the balance with that. So we're not only spending all of our money and living for the present or saving all of our money and living only for the future, but trying to find that balance throughout our journey together. Yep. And it's a balance, I guess for me, um, the reason I live for the moment, um, both Kat and I, both of our dads died when we were 25 and it was an eye opener and, and made me realize that I could be gone tomorrow and, you know, having a big investment retirement savings would be great. And it sounds great and all, but if I'm gone tomorrow, then all the hard work I put into saving all that, um, just, I could have just bought things I wanted and enjoyed my time here and everything else would have kind of worked itself out. But yeah, exactly. We both have that recognition that we understand that life is super short for a lot of people at the same time on both sides of our families. We also have relatives that have lived into their late eighties, into their mid nineties. So we understand that that could be us as well. And so we need to save and invest in case that is us. But I think that we're continuing to do a pretty good job trying to find the balance. And again, our vision changes over the years, but I'm really glad to be on this journey to financial independence with you, Brian. (laughs) Me too. It's definitely been a journey. (laughs) All right, Brian. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this episode, I really appreciate you taking the time and trying to share a little bit of perhaps some wisdom or that others can learn from some of our mistakes in the past that we've had and that they can learn to try to talk to their significant others a little bit more about finances in a easier way on their way to financial independence. So thanks again. I really appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for having me and good luck to everyone out there. Thanks everyone for taking a listen today and I'll see you back here soon. Thank you for tuning in 
and I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. Please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on, but more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.